Hello, hello. Welcome to the Unearthed podcast, where I, your host, Nathan Epimolo, will be telling and listening to different stories in the hope that we can all start to see each other as more the same in God's eyes and different in our own. This show's guest is Christina Alnett, and Christina is a principal teacher at a primary school and has kindly agreed to join me for this dive into the topic of kingdom lens living. Now, I think as we work our way through proceedings, you'll see really clearly why I think Christina fits perfectly for this concept of kingdom lens living, and you'll see, I think you'll see what I mean. Without further ado, the interview. So, I feel like I should start with the origins of this idea in the first place. I've been sitting on it for about a year, way before I even thought about starting a podcast or anything. And it's actually almost a year to the day that I went on my church's student weekend away went to this lovely place called Arjunaig up in Killin in Perthshire. Here in Scotland, it was a really lovely place. It was cold, a bit scenic, snow-capped mountains. If you think of like Scotland on a postcard, it was kind of like that. It was a really nice time. And so we were all there for a long weekend, I think, or what, Friday afternoon to Sunday night. And I just remember really being, what stuck with me was this uh, talk done by the wonderful Thomas and Claudia Dean of Stenhouse Baptist Church. Shout out Thomas and Claudia if they hear this. And it was particularly for something Claudia shared on, I think, the Saturday morning. And it was about this vision of kingdom lens living, which is basically to think about the way that in um, the Lord that we serve is uh, Lord of Renewal and then at the church that we go to Adelaide Place Baptist Church we often say that our God is in the business of the renewal of all things which is to say that it all starts from God so as we as Christians would believe that the Lord wanted to restore our relationship with him so if you think the Garden of Eden was made and the Lord said everything was good and humans were good and everything in it was as was meant to be and then in Genesis 3 you can read about the fall the first time that there was the entrance of uh, human sin into the world and this this starts the chain of sin and negative events that we still experience a lot of today and is often what is referred to as the fall as I said but of course the Lord wasn't content to leave us like that and then an act of sacrifice sent his son Jesus to be sacrificed on the cross for us uh, to die and to resurrect and then ascend to heaven and this was the act of restoration of renewal so this you imagine that humankind stood on one side of a cliff and God was at the other. Our sin had originally broken the chasm in the middle, which is why we couldn't cross to the other side. And I love this image of Jesus's uh, death on the cross, his crucifixion, the cross kind of sits across the chasm as a bridge. Um, and it now allows for a relationship with God to be fully realized. And so now we are charged as children to join him in the renewal of all things. And I think this has a lot to do with kingdom lens living and seeing things around us, seeing people around us for what they could be with potential to restore them and, or to at least play our part in restoring them the way that God has restored us to himself, reconciled us to himself. And so thinking about that, I've been thinking a lot for the year since. It was a really touching story and that Claudia shared, a sermon that she shared, and I'd been thinking a lot on what does it look like, you know, in our in our lives, in our local area, in ourselves, and the people we know to see restoration there. I'm sure we all can think of situations where people we know where we, we can just see so much and what it could be. It could be a derelict plot of land, it could be a person that's been a bit down on themselves, it could be anything. But normally with the hearts that we're called to have as children of God, we kind of think imagine what this could be like and it's, it's a thing of excitement a thing of wonder and a thing that we pray into daily and so I just kind of it got me thinking okay how, how is this explored and then I thought well what what clear example of this are there than children and you only have to look to see in the bible to see how Jesus treats children like and uh, what he said in Matthew 18 verse 3 truly I say to you unless you turn and become like children you will never enter the kingdom of heaven Children are weak and made strong by teaching from a teacher, in this case, Jesus. And so I read this as to be like children. We have to, we must to accept that we have weakness and that as children, we learn from the great teachers and true teachers of the world. And, you know, in your lives, this may be when you were a child and you were taught by your parents about how the world worked or you were taught by your teachers about 
um, the basis of education. And as you grew and become more, became more knowledgeable and wise and had more facets and avenues to explore life through, you got to grow and become someone that um, people, can look up, people can look up to and also learn from. But we're never called to stop learning. And I think this is a brilliant reminder of what it means to be a child of God. And I think sometimes, like when you're when you're a full-grown adult, the idea of being a child of God sometimes seems like a strange concept. But I think it's honestly just to recognize that there's still always going to be a weakness. No one is perfect. We know that. And we need we need teaching, good teaching, solid teaching. And and so it just really got me hooked in this idea of children and being taught and how I think we're all like this. And it just kind of clicked that, of course, I have to bring a teacher on this podcast to talk about this. And this is where Christina comes in. Um, and so I was just thinking, let's have let's have a great conversation about it. And so, Christina, if you're with us, I think you are. <laughs> Welcome, Christina. How are you? Thanks, Ethan. Yeah, I'm fine, thanks. So, good. yeah, so good to be here. Good. I'm glad. So, so talk to us. You are a teacher. How long have you been teaching for and what got you into it? Um, so I've now been teaching for 10 years. This is my 11th year um, and I've taught in different cities and in different countries. So I studied in Aberdeen more years ago than I <laughs> to admit and <laughs> it's always scary when you see your graduation year and you think that yeah. was quite a long time ago now. Um, so yeah I studied in Aberdeen and worked and did placements in Aberdeen then did my probationary year in Stirling um, mm -hmm. and then had an incredible opportunity to teach in an international school in Prague um, called Riverside and this is my fourth year home um, in Glasgow and I teach in a school near Glasgow so I've been teaching 10 years altogether and this is my 11th um, in a bit of a new position this year and I think I really struggled at school with knowing what to do I've always kind of struggled with making the right decision and knowing mm -hmm. what to do and I loved English and thought about studying English literature or linguistics um, or languages but it was mainly through some placements um, and some kind of work experience when I was in fifth and sixth year, working with children um, in my own school and working with a teacher called, um, the, she's just an incredible teacher. She still teaches a uh, primary one at mm. the school I went to uh, called Mrs. Laughlin and she was just incredible. And I think that's really what got me into working with kids and just really seeing uh, what potential there is in kids. Is it, it's just incredible. Um, and it kind of linked with my passion for for literacy and reading and and just being able to teach so mm. that's kind of where it all began <laughs> I really I really like that it was another teacher that inspired you to become a teacher so I think I think most people well I mean I think I was one of these people that actually really enjoyed the school years now they weren't always brilliant but like I always think of the teachers that stuck out you know I think of David Brown who taught me that so Marcus McGowan that did IT and business and I think of all these people that they weren't just they weren't just teachers in their subjects, but they're teachers in life itself, but especially at high school. And like kind of I definitely recognize where my growth has come from being taught by such wonderful people. And you know, my high school was filled with loads of wonderful teachers. I still go and see them every now and then. Been back in town and if you know if it wasn't COVID, <laughs> I'd love to every every couple of months or a year or something, I do, I do like to drop back if I can. And it's also I think it's not inspired me to become a teacher per se, but it's inspired me to find ways in which I can teach what I have learned to people younger than me. So in taking up some of the stuff I do with language ambassadors and yeah. uh, being a student ambassador, I love, you know, going into schools and um, seeing what seeing what dreams and hopes children have these days. And there is something really wonderful, like, you know, a child is such a malleable young person, but also just to see them dream big in a way that I feel sadly I think as you get into adulthood you kind of become quite I don't know overawed a little bit the sense of adulting and what it means like there is something about you know you know washing up your dishes for the seventh time in seven that doesn't really make you think of what wonderful thing you could be doing you know dreaming big of whether you were going into space or whether you were going to become the star doctor or you're going to be like your favorite yeah. musician on tv like it's not that those things don't happen, but I think there's sometimes, I guess, the realities of a life that is based on like 
well, what comes next? What comes next? Rather than thinking about, you know, what I'll do in 10 years that kind of stops sometimes the set dreaming. But there's something about spending time with children that I just love because it just opens you back up to thinking of all these things that I could be doing. These kids are so excited to, you know, hear from me or hear from their teachers and see what could come next. And I always just find that so, so, so inspiring. But with, with, as with anything with teaching, I can imagine that it's, it's an overwhelming joy, at least most of the time, because otherwise there'd be far less teachers than we have. And we need teachers. Like if you, if you hear this and you think about doing teaching, just do it. Someone will thank you, probably a parent. And it just makes me think that it's an overwhelming joy, but it can't, it can't be amazing all the time. What would you, how would you describe your day-to-day life as a teacher? And are there any highlights or particular lowlights that stick out to you? Um, so yeah, I would say my day-to-day life as a teacher, I think one of the biggest things, um, aside from a lot of core things that I love about teaching, I think one of the best things is that every day is different mm-hmm. and every single day is different, <laughs> whether you have a timetable <laughs> or not, you don't know what these kids are going to come in like, what mood they're going to be in, how they're going to handle the day, how they're going to take to what you've planned. Often you can think you've planned a great lesson and it can fall flat. Mm. You can think that you've not planned a lesson brilliantly and it is a roaring success and you think (laughs) that doesn't really add up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, every every day is different and I do really enjoy that part of the job. but I would say generally that I think, as you've said, I've spoken to a few friends who they put it better than, than me. One of them, a principal teacher that I've worked with previously, she she would often walk through the corridors. And if she met you in the corridor, um, she would just say this job is simply a privilege. And it mm. really is simply a privilege to be to be trusted with these children and to spend your days with them. Mm. Um some of those as you say are highlights and some are definitely (laughs) lows and so I guess I'll I'll maybe sandwich it as a good teacher would (laughs) with Mm -hmm. um, highlights and some lows but um, I would say generally highlights are just a kid's perspective kind of as what you said previously Nathan Mm -hmm. and the way kids view the world is hysterical and really funny for example I I had a simple conversation today with a little boy who was trying to tell me that he's going to be eight this year because and because he's going to be eight his birthday's on the 8th of October and I said but it's not because it's the sixth your birthday's the sixth and he's and he just couldn't he's like I understand but I'll be eight so it'll be on the eighth and we were trying to I was just trying to explain that's not how birthdays work and it's just a real privilege to to try and explain the day-to-day life Mm -hmm. to children it's it's hilarious um so yeah some of the things they come out with are absolutely golden conversations Mm. I've had with children are my favorite and some of the things they say to you that they think is a compliment <laughs> and you think I'm not sure that's a compliment um one of we'll, my... we'll teach you that bit later that comes in a couple of exactly, years exactly yeah we'll, we'll te- teach you the difference yeah we'll teach you tact as it comes mm-hmm. um I taught with an incredible lady last year and uh, one of the one of the children said to her um Mrs Kendi I really love you and she she said oh that's wonderful thank you and he, he said because you remind me of my granddad and she just looked crushed <laughs> but you know the sentiment was there it was lovely but um yeah so sorry but um yeah so I would say that the highlights are the kids view when they achieve things for themselves and especially when they achieve things that they didn't think they could um for example I had a child in my previous school who really struggled to read it was a real fight for the whole mm. year for her to learn to read and eventually she got to the last month of primary three it was and she read a book and she just turned and said I don't need you anymore and <laughs> that moment of now you can read and you know you can oh and that gosh. makes the world a difference mm. um, and I think one of the biggest highlights at the moment and um, which I'm really enjoying in my current job is just the ability that you have um, just to support and and to really um, encourage families who will mm-hmm. do the same for their children and yep. you know people walk past that we have no idea what they look like and how difficult they are but but that's a real highlight in in my job at the moment uh, I would say a low is when um you're kind of faced with difficulties um in anything I suppose but 
I find the constraints and how much you're able to help difficult when mm. you know you can't do any more, but you yeah. feel that more is needed. So things like being short of resources or cost of things that you think would benefit kids, even just having extra bodies, extra teachers mm. to to do things with kids. And that's a real challenge that that sometimes is a real low. Um, and one of the things I really enjoy about um teaching is challenging behavior and how behavior just communicates so much about what the child's facing or working through but sometimes dealing with that behavior especially when children are distressed is I do find very challenging and, and hard because you don't want anyone to have to go through mm. what these children are, are facing or feeling or going through so yeah I would say that's probably the hardest part but yeah overall just the you know how much ch children can achieve how much they grow in confidence it is it is an incredibly rewarding job and mm. uh, yeah in the words of that principal teacher just it is such a privilege to do the job that we do it really is mm, yeah, it's amazing just as you were talking about it, it actually got got me thinking of some of my memories from school and i always remember um, a modern studies teacher in high school caroline mcginley if she sees that she's a legend um, <laughs> So I absolutely love modern studies. I mean, you do you do a podcast about finding more about the world that normally starts in modern studies. Um, but I like I'm terrible. For, I have such slow handwriting. So like ever I'm ever really weird. I, I can I'll try to describe this. So I so I hold a pen or a pencil like very unorthodox. I hold it kind of just it's really barbarian. I just hold it between like fingers and thumb. Like I literally so like. You can see you can see this in the screen. I literally like I would write like this. So it'd just be like if you've closed your oh, wow. hand as a fist. I, I've essentially got my I can try and describe this. I've got my pen between my thumb <laughs> and my index finger. And I just I go like that. And um, I've always been told I have really neat handwriting, but obviously when, when you write this way, it's a bit like nothing happens quickly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honest, everyone, everyone has tried to teach this out of me, but I'm determined. I was determined to write this way. Um, so doing the national fives. So this was oh gosh, twenty fourteen maybe twenty fifteen. Doing the national fives um, in the fourth year. I remember like so. I think the stipulation at the time was you needed to reach a C on a scale of like or B even on a scale of an A to like. A, a D or a fail or something like that on the grade to, to go and do the hires, to go and do the next stage. So I absolutely loved modern studies with all my heart. And I did actually know what was happening. I just could not write it quickly enough, like even, you know, with a two and a half hour exam with it. So I got a C and I remember being gutted about it because I was like, I really want to go do this at higher. I don't really like yeah. all the other subjects on offer. Um, but generally that was a stipulation. So I wouldn't normally have been allowed to do it. And I remember talking to Miss McGinley, who's my teacher, and she was just like, so, you know, what do you want to do? And I was like, I don't know, I don't know how to say it because I know that I love this subject and I know that I know what's happening. I just can't write it very quickly. So it, it feels a bit unfair to like not do it higher for that reason. Mm -hmm. And I think she just kind of heard me out and she ended up saying, look, we can sometimes do this on occasion, but I will, I will like talk to the other teachers and that would normally take the higher and I normally take higher so like you know I know I can vouch for your desire to learn and your willingness to put the work in but I'm going to say it now higher is a whole different thing you're really gonna you're really gonna have to stick in and work at it and really work in your writing and I was like you know what if you could do that if you can swing that I'll absolutely work for it um, and I remember just kind of like kind of hearing back and being told, okay, they're going to be all they're going to be all right with it. Your grades, like whilst it's still a C, we can see that there is some improvement you can make it and you could do it. So the the rest of the my fifth year now, moving to fifth year and actually doing this class, I absolutely love the topics, but like having to work for health and wealth and American politics and all these things. And I remember I don't even feel like I was getting faster of racing. I just remember I just tried to write as much as I could all the time. Um, and so I went from a C at Nat 5 to a B at higher, which is like jumping up a fair number of grades um, and equivalents. And I just remember yeah, like, I just remember when I said it to her, when I came back um, after the summer and said, Miss, I got a B. She's like, I know, I know you got a B. This is amazing. And I just remember it was like, she gave me a hug and I was just kind of like, <laughs> she's just it's one of those, like, <laughs> there's something about being believed in to go out and do something yeah. and then actually being supported to do it and accomplishing it yeah. that you just can't you just can't take from a child 
Like, yeah, you know, that's what five, six years ago for me, but I don't forget yeah. it by any means because it's so special to do it. It is, but, as you say, it's just so precious, isn't it? And mm-hmm. the, input, the impact that teachers can have on mm-hmm. our own, as you said before, like previously, how teachers can change our lives, you know, and I know that when I think back to um, when I was in high school, which again, more years than I care <laughs> to remember, but um, my English teacher, Mrs. Rudell, and she just, she, she literally changed my life because mm-hmm. of what she did for me and encouraged me and supported me and pushed me into things because she knew I wouldn't do them myself and she knew that I needed the support with confidence and stepping out and and she really did I wouldn't I wouldn't be where mm-hmm. I am today if it wasn't for her um it's not quite the same but uh with you saying about your modern studies teacher I took higher physics which I probably should never have taken me um and <laughs> I was horrendous, <laughs> horrendous and um <laughs> <laughs> the teacher would just get really ang- not angry he was he but was frustrated a, maybe. yeah he was a gem but he um he would say you need to stop asking me why I don't know why I just know how <laughs> that's what this is about I can't that, tell you why the atoms move like that they just do and I can mm-hmm. tell you how they move um and he, <laughs> he I remember he just said just write it down I, I can't <laughs> explain any more to you write down the equation learn it regurgitate it you can do this and I remember learning how to uh, calculate, um, it was like vectors and there's something else. And I remember just robotically doing it and be like, I don't know what I'm doing. He's like, I, you, but you know to pull this number, then this number, then square this number and do this. And I remember meeting him <laughs> that summer and saying, Mr. Dyer, I got a B. And he was like, yes, I have absolutely no idea how you pulled that off. <laughs> I'm like, thanks. thanks like, for the of confidence. Quite harsh. And in our school, they said, you know, if you got a B, a high B or an A, you could do advanced mm-hmm. higher. And mm-hmm. I said, I got a high B, I can do advanced higher. And he was like, if you Yay. do that, I'll retire. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair. It's like I'm going I'll, very quickly, don't speed it up. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll stick to I'll stick to languages. That's fine. Oh, no. <laughs> I think I think I think it's funny though, because we talked all the hopes that's for me, I guess, the low light, I guess on the flip end of like of teaching a little bit myself mentoring like when you get into situations I don't really know how to describe it but where a child for whatever circumstance they've gone through like they've seen too much too early and they've kind of lost the ability to dream like they were children because they've been forced you know unfortunately by circumstances normally out with their control to really have to deal with the realities of life far earlier than anyone could have wished for and like there's always like a there's a change in their spirit somewhat about it and I always remember if you you know ask a kid that they want to be and they're like six or seven they may give you a certain answer but to a child who's seen too much too early they're like you know you know what do you want to do when you're older I'm like uh well I don't know I, I don't I don't think about it like you know I need to look after my mum or I'm just thinking about you know where the next meal's coming from or I'm just trying to like take it one day at a time and it's it's always so heartbreaking because Again, just speaking to a child, I mean a child here, like, you know, anyone under like 16, <laughs> but like speaking to speaking to someone who knows and can feel it in them in their bones that the rest of their lives are ahead of them is a wonderful. And just to speak to a child who doesn't feel that way, because they've already seen so much, it's always it's always really hard to know what to do because she said there's only so much help that you're actually legally able to offer and allowed to offer, but also just some of the things that people go through you can't fix like that yeah and I think there's always a desire to do that even even to the detriment you know of the situation you want to try and help but mm-hmm. I think this is this is why I kind of something to think so much about the idea of kingdom lens living because we are called out I'm pretty confident we're called in the bible to go out and look at the worlds we live in and say lord how, do, how would you want to restore this and you know once that vision's been set like how can we help like I always find it wonderful when you see places that used to be, used to be that derelict plot of land that's now this you know beautiful park or you know this old lady that was a bit lonely who's now surrounded by friends that come and check on her and love her and visit her all these things that they seem small but when these actions are being taken multiple times over by you know tens thousands millions of people I just think such a wonderful 
effects is created and often I've had people ask about choosing like what I think about the concept of heaven and I always say well I've learned that there's like a now throat's blowing that there's a now and a not yet and so the not yet is easy to start with because although the world has been restored in relationship for Jesus Christ it's still not the full extent of the kingdom that the Lord wants to bring around and I don't think it, it can't it can't be until the Lord returns However, we are charged with bringing heaven on earth now and this sense of restoration. And I think it's such a, I mean, it's such a lofty goal, right? You're like, you look at the world, you look at yourself, <laughs> frankly, and go, I mean, you want to start with this? You want me? You would start with this? And like, there's a lot of restoration needed before I can get out into the world of, you know, trying to help there. But I think it's such a wonderful and encouraging message. And obviously we're supportive along the way in our faith and by other Christians. And I think, you know, it's a wonderful sort of sort of matrix to it all, of how it all works. But I kind of think we should open this up a little bit. How would you say that in, how do you see the parallels between teaching children? So teaching them, but also being a child of God and being taught too. So you want to think of it as the sort of like teacherception thing. I just loved it. I just, I just had that. <laughs> Teacherception, I think you've made your own word. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I think for me, I, I see a huge parallel in teaching children and the role that I've got um, and being a child of God myself and being taught um, in that way as well. Um, and I think the best way to start would be kind of how I came to my current job. Mm -hmm. um, and so my previous job I, I really loved the city I really loved my job I loved um, the people I worked with and yeah I just really really felt the kind of call on on my heart that I couldn't I just couldn't let go of and I couldn't put to the side as I kind of mm. came towards another decision as to whether I would stay in Prague for two more years or more um, or change and it was the just the phrase that as you're saying about restoration um and it was the it's in a line of a worship song the break my heart for what breaks yours mm -hmm. and the more I prayed that and the more I sung that the more I thought about it the more I thought you know I feel like I'm being called elsewhere mm -hmm. and I think that part of the being a child of God is that God yearns for us and he yearns to restore, as you said, broken things. And he restores us more than we probably care to admit mm. and takes something so broken um, yeah. and, and restores the relationship that we have with him, but also who he's made us to be. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that that parallel for me really is, is huge um, in being able to be a voice and a part of children's lives that, that actually teaching them is is just so much more than, than people probably consider teaching to be. Um, mm. And restoration is what I know myself and, and the people I work with really prioritize every day to, to restore the belief that these children have in themselves and, and that they have a future. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I feel as though this question, there's kind of so many different sort of views that I would mm. kind of pull together. Um, but I think one of the biggest parallels I would also see is through grace and I think I see a huge parallel in when when children are displaying distressing behaviour or they're disengaged mm. or they're struggling yeah. I think we often think on a human level oh they just need to get on with it or they need to pull yeah. their socks up or <laughs> they need in trouble or they need, you know I think yeah. our human level is you know come on actually just get on with it and there's a place for you know there's a place for all of us that, for, for tough love <laughs> <laughs> um but just that kind of overwhelming grace that god gives us and that there you know we can't we can't go too far from him and his grace is unending and it really is amazing and the fact that we often need somebody to understand who we are before we can learn mm -hmm. anything we need them to understand who we are and that are you know what we need is addressed um, and I think I, I very much see that in how God teaches me that he he just covers in grace and um, every single thing that he's teaching me everything's in grace and it doesn't mean it's easy or painless yeah. sometimes it's quite painful <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but looking back on 
you know hindsight's a wonderful thing and I, I think when you look over your shoulder that's the easiest place to see what mm. God was doing and there's certainly things I've been through in the past as we all have in the past few years certainly where I really really questioned what God was doing and I couldn't really believe that I was standing where I was and amidst disappointment and, mm. and heartbreak but but when you look over your shoulder you can really see God's grace sinking through and I think God's grace just emphasizes over and over how loved we are and I think inevitably that's really children need that before you can do anything they need to yeah. know that you see them they need to know that you care about them that you care mm -hmm. about the outcome and um, whether they are the most distressed child you meet that day whether they're shouting at you <laughs> whether <laughs> they are kicking off at other people you know there's yeah. a lot to be said with that view of really addressing their love and um, the love that that all all of us need um, mm -hmm. and and how God really yeah just covers us in grace there's a an amazing TED talk that if if you're in education I'm sure you've seen on many uh, a training course <laughs> but um there was an incredible teacher called Rita Pearson who worked in inner city in the states I think she was in New York okay. and um it's called Every, everyone needs a champion and mm. she talks about how she was given this horrendous class of all <laughs> these kids who didn't want to learn and their behavior was awful and Mm -hmm. um, they all turned up and she thought oh, we're in for a year of it and mm -hmm. and she turned the class around because she told them that they'd all been chosen to be in her right. class and she was the best teacher in the school and she only got to teach the best kids and oh. they had been chosen to be in her class mm. and as soon as she told them that she was they were chosen everything changed yeah. and then she would give them tests and <laughs> she would put plus two at the top and one child would be like, but I got 18 wrong. Why do you even bother? She's like, but you got two right. So we're going to keep going. To remember that. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, I think the parallel between teaching children and knowing how much they need a champion and someone behind them, somebody who won't give up on them, somebody mm. who will care for them, whether it is. And, and, you know, we often talk about the impact of teachers, but it's teachers and support staff. You know, there's Absolutely. there's people in offices, there's janitors, there are cleaners unsung who heroes. they are the unsung heroes. They're the dinner ladies who ask mm -hmm. how they are every day. They're the glue that holds it all together. And I just, yeah, that often, often seeing that makes me really appreciative and it helps me understand God's view of me. There's a song, Dear God, by Corey Ashbury or Asprey, yeah. I'm not sure how yeah, to say it. Yeah. And it really just, the first half of the song is beautiful in itself, but the second half is just an incredible reminder. It's on your level. It's, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it, to me, that parallel is just so clear that, you know we're taught and sometimes it's difficult and sometimes you don't understand what's happening in the moment but it really is it is incredible to think that god speaks that over us and i think mm. one of the one of the one of the moments where that really struck me the most was um a little girl i taught a few years ago um and she she really struggled her behavior wasn't great and mm. uh, she really struggled academically a long time ago and um we were walking uh, on a school trip and she I said something I said something to her like she'd she done well or oh, good job or something and uh, she she looked she just looked at me and said do you really think that and I said yes that yeah. I said it so, so I think to lie about <laughs> yeah yeah, I said, yeah of course I do she said so do you think I'm a good girl and I said yeah I do and she said nobody thinks that and I said, well, everybody here thinks that. And mm. she said, oh, okay. So what about when I'm not good? And I said, well, you're still a good girl. You're just not making good choices. And mm -hmm. she was like, oh, yeah, they're not the same thing. And I think I think when, when God's grace comes into our lives, our lives change. But it doesn't mean that we won't <laughs> miraculously yeah, stop make all the right choices. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and we won't stop falling into the same traps and mm -hmm. the same, you know, the same patterns of behavior that are sometimes self-destructive. Um, but the fact that he continues to speak that over us and our identity is set in him, yeah, just kind of speaks volumes of that love and grace that I think schools can be a base for. How gracious. Mm -hmm. And I know that there are 
our teachers and colleagues that I've I've just had such a privilege to work alongside and seeing how they really care for these kids and they can have a horrendous day and just take so much flack mm. and turn up the next day fresh and a new day it's a new day fresh grace and mercy for today absolutely we'll start again um so yeah I'm not sure if that answers your question Nathan but I think it does <laughs> see where my I thoughts <laughs> I think it does uh, it's important to hear it, it makes me think of there's um an image I have in my head and I, to be honest I'm really terrible at remembering where I read and see things I just know that I do and I know that I remember them. <laughs> um someone was trying to describe um the relationship with the Lord in terms of walking with him and running away and it's like okay so you know the Lord picks you up and reminds you who you are and that you know he he loves you and cares for you and wants to walk this road with you it won't be easy but he's with you and you're like okay and it's fine and then you kind of you're walking you're walking and you don't feel like you're seen very much and then you know about like a magpie see something shining in the distance it's something that says you know you can have this now if you come do this and you run to it you trip you fall flat on your face you're kind of like this hurts i'm scraped i don't like this i'm out but you're as you're tempted to like sort of throw a tantrum you kind of just look back and like well just kind of standing there like hands out like my child i'm ready just yeah just, i'm waiting don't you worry i'm i'm here when you come back and then you go back and you walk about a few more steps, a few more steps, and then you can like, oh, other thing, other thing, and you, you, you run away, <laughs> trip, you fall, you come back, and this process just repeats itself mm-hmm. a thousand times. But I, I like thinking about, you know, when you go through trials and struggles, and like, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that like you feel like there's any answer or meaning or anything to it, because often it feels like it's not, and it's just a bit chaotic. There's no point hating that. But, and um, there is, the, there are those few times where. You know there's a there's a milestone or a point in your life where like you said you can kind of look back and then all the screaming of oh god where were you then like you know i was kicking around waiting for you and then you look back and you see you see the thread you see like taylor swift you see the invisible string um and Catherine's gonna love this <laughs> but you look you look back and you look back and you go there you were and like that's the wonderful thing, like both, you know, in childhood and being a child of God, of kind of, it's, it's, you know, life is chaotic and I'm always quite open about that. It's just not fun a lot of the time, but in the moments that you have to reflect and you can look back and go, oh, there you were, or, you know, there's where my friends were, there's where God was, here's my family, people were supporting me, you know, I had champions. Yeah. And that's such a wonderful, such a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I just, I think part of what I think about in the sense of, the renewal of all things and the restoration journey that the Lord has sent us on is like, how do we make people feel like that? How do we make people feel like even in the hard times they can see the joy of the Lord, they can see the renewal that's taking place and you know, even if they think that they're growing quite slowly or don't feel like they're growing at all, just being able to remind them, no, but things didn't used to be like this. Now they are and compared to where it was, it's much better. And like just just as that took time and just as you were confused as you are now about well am I making any progress at all, you get to look back and see the little glimmers of hope and little bits of gold. It's like a kintsugi bowl, which I've become obsessed with these, I don't even own one. But it's like the Japanese concept of restoration, where like, you know, a bowl, ceramic bowl normally, um, you know, if it's broken instead of chucking it out, it's filled with gold lacquer. Yeah. Um to piece it back together and to be honest I want to own one one day because I think it's such a beautiful image of like just broken crockery like being uh, pottery sorry being like fixed up with gold and it does look out now sits it would just sit on a shelf and kind of look better than it was before and every every crack and scar is now beautiful rather than just jarring and I just think that's just such a wonderful image and I absolutely love it but I've got I've got one last big question to open up to you but starts with congratulations because you were given a promotion recently a clap for me Um, (laughs) and so you know directly what it's like to have someone decide that there is a potential in you a restoration to see in you and a quality they want to coax out of you I'd I'd like to liken it to a flower just waiting to be watered so (laughs) it's quite poetic thank you thank you I've worked (laughs) on that one (laughs) how how do you see I guess Kingdom Lens living itself out in your life and community these days. You know, what vision do you have for, I don't know, give us a place or maybe a thing or a person? What what have you thought about of late of like, you know, I'm praying for that. I can't wait to see that restored. I want to see how to help. 
Um, I think when I think of Kingdom Lane's living, as you've said, it's the already and not yet, and mm. very much it kind of comes to mind of, as you say, with work changing lately and, and in the workplace, that already and not yet, and the fact that some kids may seem lost or they may not have, you know, positive adults or adult input around them or positive input around them, mm. effective words being spoken over them, um, but the fact that they're treasured. And I think that the kingdom lens is that when, you know, when you have those days where the behavior is just really difficult or challenging or frustrating and it doesn't make things sparkly and easy, <laughs> um, mm. but that already and not yet that actually you, you know, you're looking at somebody that God treasures and you're looking, you know, into the, just into the situation of, of somebody who's really struggling and actually mm. God, you know, God says that they're his child too and they're loved and treasured and the kingdom lane says that, yeah, I'm actually really frustrated with you right now. <laughs> I'm really <laughs> quite angry. Um, but kingdom lane's living says that you're on purpose and I'm on purpose and, mm -hmm. And God says that you are incredibly knitted together and fearfully and wonderfully made and you matter. Mm. And it's it's seeing that, having that opinion of, of all the children that we meet and all the people as well, you know, both you and I don't live too far away from each other. And I think there's certain corners of our city where people feel overlooked or forgotten or Absolutely. broken, um, mm -hmm. where, you know, that's, certainly true of a lot of cities every city I'm sure um but I think for me Kingdom Lines Living is is really about light and as you said about filling with gold and and finding you know the most broken places and and knowing that actually God can bring gold into those situations and it's it's his hand that changes everything and just restart stories and I think one of the songs that's really been on my heart this year is Graves into Gardens and just mm. knowing how much God can bring life into into really dark and difficult places and things that we have never had to face that people have walked through that and more things that we can't imagine it's part of their daily lives and I think in my kind of community there's just a real thirst for community and desire for more I think we saw that through lockdown mm -hmm. a lot of people did with you know neighbours wanting to know each other yep. we had a bit of a, a kind of street party situation in our, in our street uh, sorry you say a bit of a street so sorry for reference here this is like you know this is like Coachella vibes as far as Glasgow goes like seeing the videos from this thing this is out in Ridgery and it's literally like you know there's bagpipes there's guitars there's folk dangling themselves out windows like I like no no this is not this is not a little party like compared it's a Patsy to Klein tribute act literally compared compared to like you know, dead in the spring lockdown, this thing is Coachella. It was an absolute mood watching <laughs> watching the videos from this, by the way. So legendary. Like this seems like a lot of fun. And, I, and more more importantly, you could see the joy that people were having despite a hard time. Yeah, I, and I think just the, the coming together of people, there's just some really incredible people who live in the flats around us and mm. who just really, really took it with them. And it was amazing. I, and I think it's just that real desire for more and looking for community and for light. Um, so yeah, I think, as you said about what kind of vision to have for, for one place or thing, um, I think at the moment, particularly because we can't really do anything else but work, um, <laughs> work life is really, when I get to work, it's very different, but mm -hmm. that's the only place I'm going these days. So um, kind of work came to mind for that that question um and I think my biggest vision for where I work and what I do is is that kids just feel like they matter um, yeah. and that they feel cared for and heard and I think where, where I work I have to say I'm I'm really incredibly proud and it's so cliche to say blessed but <laughs> <laughs> just blessed, blessed to work with yeah. you know um, incredible teachers and incredible colleagues who really care for the, the kids in front of them um, and we often say to the kids that they're you know you're a star and we ask them what they are mm. and 
kind of make them repeat back. You're a star. <laughs> Tell yourselves this. I want to say is <laughs> want to say is healthy brainwashing, but you know. Yes. Um, <laughs> but I think it's that it's the self belief that they matter and they have worth. Mm-hmm. And that we do care and even when things fall apart we do care and it's that vision that light would really shine in the school that I work in and into the streets surrounding um, mm. the school itself and just into these kids and families lives there it is a real privilege to work where I work and I think one of my biggest biggest dreams would be um, I have a friend called Myra who this happened to her a few years ago and I just it blew me away to think that that could happen she said that she taught this boy years and years ago and he'd been very challenging and he had um she was worried for him mm-hmm. and uh, she prayed for him in the mornings as she drove to work and she just prayed for him every morning and she thought you know I'll never see him again yeah I'm not sure and <clears throat> I mean hopefully I'm doing the story justice I'm not misquoting her no. but um she'd said that then she was at a, at a an event at Adelaide Place where we both go and yeah. she said at the end these two boys came over and and said was she who they thought they were what, who they <laughs> thought she was and she said yeah that's that's me and they said did you used to work at this school they and she said yes why and <laughs> it was the boy that she prayed for and he said oh, yeah right. I became a Christian and and she said it just totally blew her away um so I think that would be one of my hopes and dreams would be that in years to come I cross paths with one of these kids and just know they've come to know who God is and how much he cares for them. Mm. Um, and just that light's really shone into really difficult places. So mm. yeah, that would be my vision and hope for Amazing. for where I'm at. Yeah. I, I guess, so I, I kind of realised that I like, you know, made these questions for you and then hadn't really thought, oh, I, I don't know what I'd say to these questions. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to ask you there. I was like, yeah. am, I allowed to, am I allowed to turn the tables on you? I'd love Absolutely. to ask you that question. <laughs> well, I'll, t- I'll tell you because I, I started thinking about it. Okay, and for great. me, for me, it's it's in the nightlife. So I'm a big nightlife mm-hmm. guy and absolutely love, throw, love to throw some shapes in the club and you can catch me I there. Had, I had no idea about that. Yeah. I did not yeah. know this about you. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a party lover when it's going like yeah, absolutely and it's oh, it's yeah. one of I, I, I picked my I picked my my battles wisely at uni but I absolutely love it when when all the stars align you like I have nothing on the next day it's some friends some old friends we're gonna link up it's gonna be great and I absolutely love it um like I was, I was trying to explain to a friend um the other day she was like oh, what how have you been getting through lockdown and she was like oh well you know sometimes I'm just I have to get a little bit weird and I just like you know dance around in my room and like look I'm Michael Jackson on my kitchen tile like this is this is how I live <laughs> <laughs> I love that you just went straight for that I am Michael Jackson on the tiles that's, that's how it, that's how it feels that's how it feels that's incredible and, Ethan. and so like I, but and I've also thought a long time about how often when you go out you go out clubbing you go out to parties or bars whatever you see obviously it's a cross-section of society but always within that you always see some people who aren't who aren't there because they're celebrating they're because they're running away i mean they're because they're escaping and i've watched i've watched people do some pretty self-destructive things to themselves in a night out in an effort to cope with pain or as a mechanism like that and i guess my vision is to sort of see a culture that views alcohol and views partying and views music as being done in moderation of joy and actually like being done from a place of I'm out here and I want to, I want to celebrate what life is in this particular way not running away from it because yeah. I think that there's there's so much there's so much joy that I take from music and so much joy that I take from going out and hanging out with friends having a few drinks having fun like that mm-hmm. and just kind of when you take a step back and kind of recognize that for a lot of people they tell themselves it's like that but really once they get there it's like well this thing hurt me or I was rejected by xyz person or yeah. I, it was fun but I just kind of now keep thinking about how life hasn't panned out how I hoped you know every, everyone probably has a story of like you know 4am and some person's outside like a bit cold crying in the ground just kind of like wondering where it all went wrong mm-hmm. and I've always felt that in those little moments I'm like, you know, what would it be like if, if this was different? You know, if that sort of healing was brought around, I'd just mm-hmm. I'd love to see a culture that I guess doesn't doesn't rely on escaping. Um, 
with problems. And that's not to say the problems would go away, but to actually, you know, I guess in our case, in the trust we have in God, actually to look when we are scared, when we're lonely, when we're worried, when we're angry, like we have someone to turn to, who understands who, and Jesus Christ has gone through it all. And that, as you said before, that does not mean that we always make all the right decisions, but to actually have that as our base to stand on, like, hey, as you know, an even, an even four makes for a much better dance floor, it should be said. But it also means that when you fall, you're kind of like, okay, I feel sturdy, I can get back up. Yeah. I said before the Lord's with you and we'll keep walking and I think that's it when everything changes around you mm-hmm. you need to know that your feet are on something solid and the fact that your feet are on the rock that yep. God is and provides just makes everything else not easy but it gives you solid, solid ground thing. to stand on yeah and reliable truth when everything yep. else feels dark or, or you're not sure what's true then you can go back to that basis Mm-hmm. and like even if even if it, if you fall down at least knowing that you can rebuild yes. I think often when people fall I can only imagine what it's like now with COVID and staying inside often excuse me I've talked to people where the idea of feeling a bit down stays that way and I've certainly been like that in the past because like if you can't if you don't know where the light's coming from if you've lost sight of that then of course everything seems dark um, and yeah. Ness is still well, actually from the same weekend away. It was a really good weekend away. (laughs) (laughs) Same Thomas Dean mentioned this quote by a man by DT Niles. Now I have no idea what the D or the T stands for, but there'll be names of a description. And anyways, he said that Christianity is simply one beggar telling another beggar where he found bread. I've always loved that because it's, I think, you know, know, there's no reason pretending that aspects of church culture traditionally have played into this but often when I talk to non-believers about Christ there was often a sense of like I always feel like I'm being judged there's a holier-than-thou type of attitude which you know I think everyone's seen examples or been examples of that and it's not good and it's not what we're called to but I think there's something wonderful about that quote that just lays bare that like everyone is going through it you know the only difference is um, in Christianity, people if believe they found bread, and they're trying to tell other people like, "Are you hungry? Are you hungry?" There's the bread, and I think it's such a wonderful image because, well, I just think it's an honest image. It doesn't hide the pain. It doesn't hide feeling lost. It it just says that there is a way out, and if you're looking for it, I want I want to find it too, and I want to help you find it with me. And I think that's just like the sense of again being like a child and accepting that there is a weakness there is there is growth still to be had like you you can't do it on your own mm-hmm. and the and vulnerability that, and honesty that you need to do that and mm-hmm. kids just give you that <laughs> how yeah, are they, you they don't care terrible like, <laughs> okay I respect it yeah yep. just What's that's this? i'm gonna say it as it is and that's where i really am that's how i really am and I'll ask you the questions that I really need to ask and mm. that honesty and vulnerability I think as you said about that um that verse you know that vulnerability and and realness the the being real and that's where we do you know find find the bread and lifeline <laughs> and then share it because we can only share it when we say you know it's not because I'm a Christian or because I believe in God things are great come and join me yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know they are great and do come and join me but <laughs> they're still you know the nature of us is that we are broken and the brokenness mm-hmm. will it's dealt with ultimately but the day-to-day it can still be really difficult because I know that <laughs> I can't even count how many bad decisions I've made and it's already Tuesday so yeah. you know <laughs> <laughs> you say it's a long week and it's like 10 a.m on a Monday and it's like yeah. Yeah, no, it's been, been late that still it's like and I think, I think everyone I think everyone knows that but I don't sometimes feel like people experience the grace to actually feel that way yeah like you know it's everyone not everyone but I think culturally we're quite predisposed to wanting to make it seem like everything's fine yeah and um, because obviously like in, in in realistic terms of you met someone on like you know 10 a.m on a Monday morning and they said oh it's all been terrible you'd be a bit like, okay, this just seems a bit dramatic. I'm sure it'll be fine. And like, they're actually saying like, 
no, it's actually just been really hard. I've only been awake a few hours and I've just already made bad choice after bad choice. Yeah. You know, I didn't, didn't feel like I had that champion. I kept making bad choices. It's literally breakfast. Um, yeah. And like that image of kind of running away from God falling in your face and kind of looking back like, oh, and it's a bit like, I'm, I'm still here. I'm, I'm yeah. waiting for you. Don't, don't you worry. Yeah. You come back. I'm, I'm right there. And then there's the flip side of it as well, I think, that there's so much joy to be found in the midst mm -hmm. of it as well, you know, and the, and there's so much joy just to be found in the day-to-day, -day, and I'm not really sure, I'm, yeah, I'm just not sure how, you know, how how we as adults find it as well as kids do, because they just, they just get it, you know, and they'll be jumping up and down with excitement, because the sun's come out, and you think, really? <laughs> Like, and then yes, you think, no, yeah, actually, you're right. We <laughs> should be excited that that happens. And that is a blessing. And yes, that's great. There was a little girl during the first lockdown where we were in the kind of hub schools mm -hmm. uh, across the, the area. And she, to the point where I really thought I was losing my mind, <laughs> her and I were walking down the corridor. And, she, and I had honestly collected her from the hall probably about a minute, not more than a minute. <laughs> And she, she turned and she said, I'm just having a great day. And I said, what? Why? And she said, I'm just having such a good day. And I said, you only just arrived. Like, you don't want to take the wind out of your sails. Yeah, but what, I, are you, yeah. what are you talking about? And she said, but we're together. So it's going to be a great day. And I oh, thought, wow. we need to say that. Like, mm. that's how we need to view all of this, you know? it's a good day because we're together and I thought that mm. is that perspective I wouldn't yeah, I wouldn't get that from it. an adult yeah. <laughs> the joy of the small things honestly one of my yeah. biggest lessons of 2020 shout out Fiona Stewart when she hears this because I'm using her mic so I'm, you know she might as well know what I'm doing with it but <laughs> but she she had said she said after my year abroad fell through like she'd, she'd bought around a wee card and said like you know take take joy in the the small pleasures yeah. like and it's I can't, at the time it, it like I did believe it there was a part of it that's still just like oh, well, that's that's easy to say because the big things are all gone they keep taking it away but there is really something about recognizing these small little things it mm -hmm. could just be that the sun's come out like you know it's a, it was a rough day and you're like oh, well, at least the sun's out or um I remember thinking um about going to Alexandra Park, which is a park in Glasgow, you know, full big ponds, you know, most parks have ponds or things like that, you know what I'm saying. And <laughs> I remember going there sometime, maybe late summer last year, and just like, again, figuring out what was going on this year abroad. And I remember sitting there going like, I just don't know what's going to happen next. Like, I don't understand how any of this is meant to work. And um, I remember watching the birds kind of like dive bomb into the water and pick up fish. And you know, these birds were like epic, but I was like, a bit scared. It's at a distance away. But there was something quite enthralling about watching them go and like pick up fish and like provide, have food. Yeah. And it just made me think of uh, Jesus's words on the Sermon on the Mount, which I've also been revisiting today. It was just like, um, you know, do not worry about your life for what you will eat, for what you will wear, for his, uh, life not more than food. Think about the birds, I think it's the birds of the sky. Well, the birds of the sky, asking like the birds are in the sky, but I don't know if that'd be literal verbatim phrase. Anyway, the birds <laughs> of the sky, people will prove me wrong in the comments if that's how that goes. But <laughs> the birds of the sky look at how they they like don't have I'm literally forgetting the verse, but literally how they don't have like a, a permanent place to stay or to rest their heads, or like you don't know where their meal's coming from, yet the Lord provides for them. How much more you love than these birds that your father won't provide for you. And it's, you know, on the hard days, I need to remind myself of that. You're just kind of like, you know, what's happening next and where is it coming from? I'm like, you know what? You, the Lord has brought you this far. Why would you think he wouldn't bring you any further? Yeah. And it's really something that the more you think about it, you're like, yeah, of course, you know, why do I worry? Like, but it's such a human thing to kind of go, oh, that's not going the way I want it to go. So I'm worried now. And the Lord's like, look, it's all going according to the plan I have. And if you believe that it's good, then you don't need to worry. And the fact that he can use everything, you know, he'll, he uses everything mm -hmm. for the good of those who love him. And I think that's so exciting and reassuring. And, 
and hope filled you know mm. it really fills us with hope I, I was just looking up there Nathan I wanted to make sure I didn't say it wrong because it's such a <laughs> obviously such a famous song um but I think as you've said that you know thinking about how far we've come and how God provides the, the verse from Amazing Grace just gets me every time. Mm. I don't think I've managed to sing this whole song through without just <laughs> being reduced to tears. Up, yeah. but, uh, you, like, through many dangers, toils and snares, we have already come. T'was grace has brought us safe thus far and grace will lead us home. Mm. And it's just thinking, you know, how much you kind of walk through, but nothing surprises God and nothing mm. shocks him and he is sovereign he can hold it all in his hands and there's nothing that feels too there's nothing too big that you can't take to him mm-hmm. and that's oh. yeah it's been lovely well <laughs> i'm feeling uplifted i hope you are <laughs> i hope the listeners are <laughs> after all that at least that. that's two nathan that's you two and i that feel uplifted so, of extra you know. hope today that's all you need <laughs> no but honestly this has been a wonderful chat i really really enjoyed it thanks um, for having me it's been great yeah no i'm very very glad well all right so this has been christina alnitz in conversation with your host nathan ifamola and this is the honor podcast and i really hope that you've honored a little bit more of life and the people within it today and please feel free to reach out. We are in the process of a site rebrand, but you can go and find us at my website, A God Made Man. And I'm sure there will be Instagram pages and things galore for now. If you go and search A God Made Man in Google, you'll come up with the website and you'll find us there. And I look forward to the next one. So I'll catch you all then. And remember, we're all somebody's neighbour. See you later, guys. Thank you.